Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Peter Seabrook, here in these most difficult of times to help with some advice, news and views on all matters gardening. Later in the podcast, I'll be speaking to landscape architect, author and BBC Gardener's Question Time panellist, Bunny Guinness. The broadcast today comes from the polytunnel at the top of my garden. Walking up the back garden path, Beneath the magnolia solangiana, just going over, but been magnificently in full bloom for a week or two. And among daffodils in full bloom, it's a real pleasure. I can look across the dug vegetable patch to three big clumps of rhubarb waiting to be pulled. And uh, I must clear some weed from the asparagus, which will be pushing through in a few weeks' time. It's really frustrating when I do get here into the polytunnel to see patches of bare soil when it should have been full of lettuce and cabbage to cut, carrots and beetroots well on their way. Foolishly, I spent much too much time organising major displays for the forthcoming Chelsea Flower Show and BBC Gardeners World Live and Spring Schools Gardening Programmes, now all cancelled. But we're not giving up, with active inquiries being made to find a field where we can stage our floral pyramid, acknowledging the 50th anniversary of the sun. And people can drive round then and view in isolation uh, without even getting out of their cars. Marcel in Holland, hearing that we were proposing to move our pyramid, suggests we built it in Trafalgar Square but I don't really fancy a trip to London at present in the, the way things are. Whatever happens, you know, the sky's blue, beautifully blue today. Plants will grow, flowers will bloom as usual, and there's masses to be done. Well, certainly here in the polytunnel, where I sit, it's as warm as the south of France. The bees are buzzing and my friendly robin is at my feet. Just as I opened the door, I noticed a little wren hopping about too. As I cast my eyes around, there are two pots of arum lilies, Santodicia aethiopica, just coming into flower. Interesting story, really. I was in the Bell, a local pub, having lunch, and they had some really nice arums cut bloom. Would have been, I suppose, this time last year. Uh, and I past comment on them and when I went in a few weeks later Sean said here I've got two plants for you and the uh, owner who had quite a big lake 
and uh, several patches of arum lilies had dug up two bits to pass on to me. I've potted them. They're in 10 litre pots and they're just throwing up two flowers, almost perfectly timed for Easter. That kindness must be repaid in some form or the other. I've got to a crate. Uh, I suppose it'll be about two and a half foot by 18 inches square, planted up with tulips, really thick. I had quite a quantity of them at uh, the end of December. And they're just coming into flower now, a variety called brown sugar. And when I cut them, the stems must be 15 inches tall. They'll make a, a great show. I, I don't know quite who's going to get them or how I'm going to deliver them, but I'll certainly do my best to uh, spread that beauty round. There's plenty to do here. I've just started stringing the sweet peas. They're about uh, 9 or 12 inches high from autumn sowing. And of course, in the polytunnel, if the weather's reasonable, they should start flowering, I think, early May. I've got uh, wires running through uh, the roof of the polytunnel, and I tie the soft Phyllis twine around the base of each sweet pea plant, and then run it up to an S-shaped wire hanging on the support cable. And then as the sweet peas grow, so that string is wound round them in support. When the sweet peas get to the top, the roof of the polytunnel, then I can just untie them, tie in another bit of string, layer them in the ground and let them grow up again. And with a bit of luck, I should get, I don't know, 12 to 16 foot of sweet pea stem with a bloom at every leaf joint. What to do outside? Well, I think the soil's dry enough for me to just pull the clods down with uh, a three-tined cultivator that I've got. Uh, I can certainly start to plant shallots uh, and we'll probably uh, risk some uh, onion sets too now and plant out the indoor raised peas. Lawns need cutting. Goodness, the grass is certainly growing and there's quite a bit of tidying to be done in the front garden. Yeah, we're not going to be idle over the next few weeks. I'm really excited today to have as my interview guest Bunny Guinness. It's uh, a great many years, I think, since we worked together at the Chelsea Flower Show. Uh, Bunny, how are things with you today? Lovely sunny day here down in Kent where we're recording. Yes, no, here too. The quince trees outside my office are bursting into leaf and we've got lots of sunshine, so it's grand. Can you explain the difference, first of all, uh, between landscape architecture, which uh, you are fully qualified in, and garden design? Yes, not many people have really heard of landscape architects, but I'm a bit odd in that I started off doing horticulture, so I did a degree in horticulture at Reading University, and I wanted to do garden design, but 
our um, the lecturer there said, oh, you should do landscape architecture. And basically, if you're a landscape architect, you are equipped to design commercial spaces as well as gardens. So uh, you might work, I've worked on roof gardens, above shopping centres, anything outside, basically, any landscape which the public use. It's a much, much wider remit. You learn all about the construction sides, all the different pavings, retaining walls, all the engineering sides um, and the plants and you really handle much bigger projects and the reason that I think it's a much better discipline to go down if you're into the design business is once you qualify you can then go and work for someone and gain experience because that's how you really learn isn't it on the job I just think it gives you much greater scope and when I started doing Chelsea obviously I get a lot more people asking to work on private gardens um, and so the majority of our work now probably is private gardens funnily enough. Now did, did we meet first of all uh, at Chelsea with Sunflower Street. I think your first garden was Wind in the Willows for Children, wasn't it? That's right. And I, I'd been going to Chelsea since I was a horticultural student because my uncle David Austin always exhibited there and he very kindly would give me a ticket. And I'd always looked at these gardens and thought, oh, I'd love to have a go at one of those. But it's really difficult to get your first sponsor um, and I entered three competitions, in fact. Uh, in the Sunday Times, I was runner-up. And the prize, the winning prize, was to get a garden built. But I was just runner-up. And then I did another one for Gardens Illustrated and was just a runner-up. And then finally, Wyvel had a competition. And I won it. And so the prize was to have the garden built. Um, and then having one under your belt obviously it's much easier and we followed on and did a couple more large gardens with them one with the tree house which was <coughs> slightly difficult at times uh, getting a big tree through london i remember on a low loader <laughs> that that was quite a job to find the tree and, and get it into london and then then we did sunflower street i think must have been like the fourth or fifth garden i can't remember now but it was great i always remember being so impressed with the way you managed the whole of sunflower street and particularly on press day when all the you know the great and the good would come round, and you would make sure they were all heralded over to us and you really worked them beautifully and got us loads of, of, of press coverage well in the last week or so i've been looking out pictures because the crown prince of japan um, visited that garden in 2002 and I have a picture of you with the crown prince who of course is now emperor of Japan and uh, Princess Alexandra. That's interesting because I I can't remember if that was before or after I worked in Japan. I did a big project in Japan, hundreds of acres and my client was friendly I think with the crown prince of Japan um, so it's a small world, isn't it, <laughs> when it comes to gardening? It is a small world. I think you worked uh, on a private garden for His Royal Highness uh, Prince Sultan bin Abdul Aziz of Saudi Arabia. I mean, what's that like? It, 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 surely Saudi Arabia, that's just sand, That isn't was it? right. We did a big um, nursery out there. And so we had a bit of experience in, you know, dealing with irrigation and getting organic matter into the soil and what plants would grow. So it's very different from northern Japan and very different from here. 
But that's what's interesting about working in other countries is they want different things. The climate's different. The plants are different. It's fascinating. It takes, you know, it's takes a lot of getting your head around, but it's always really interesting when you do it. I also think that you did some work for Bob Geldorf. Yes, yes, I did. That was down in his <laughs> place in Kent. No, I, I have a whole range of clients, from sort of Premier League footballers to pop stars to more ordinary people, if you call them that. But no one is ordinary, really. Every garden is different. We arrive with the survey and we spend the day with the client And I think a lot of people don't actually know what they want from their garden until you do a design for them to criticise. So we draw up a sketch design on the kitchen table with them and show them images of how we think it would look or whatever. And we keep on changing until at the end of the day, we come up with a solution that we're all happy with. And I, I think every garden has to be tailored to the owner and the site because we're all so idiosyncratic and every site is different. And I, I find... That, that really interesting in, in knowing what different people want from their gardens and how you achieve it. A big part of the job is assessing the person. Absolutely. And some people have absolutely no idea and they produce these wonderful centrefolds for magazines and yet you can see from any houseplants or what they've got at the moment that they actually couldn't do that. So you have to make sure that it's it's easy to maintain in those cases and you're not giving them difficult plants and you're giving them wonderful spaces that are easy to maintain that they will enjoy and live in. And that's a big, big part of it. Most plants want to grow, but actually gardening in an efficient and enjoyable way does take a bit of experience. It does, without question. Mm. And, of course, you want your client to have success and to be satisfied. Absolutely. That, that's the key thing. It, it, you know, however good the design is, if it's not going to work for the client, then it's useless. How they're going to manage it is a major part of the whole procedure. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I sit at home and watch on TV garden makeover programmes, my hair just stands on end. I'm thinking all the time, what will that look like in six months' time? Fancy landing that householder with that lot to look after yeah yeah i do find that they have to have their partner there if they've got one i did one in the early days and the husband came home late on at the day when we thought we had a brilliant design and he immediately picked big holes in it and had totally different ideas <laughs> um often you know you are arbitrating between two totally different briefs one wants one thing and one wants the other so but it's, it's funny, that's easy. another complete ball game you know <laughs> yes. assess, assessing the abilities and requirements of one person is enough well no, at least if you iron them all out in that first hour then you can then you can set you know the day going because you need to do that but um no we've had some interesting debates on that one ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gardening your way to health and fitness. Now, that book, that really broke some new ground. Yes, we, we published that. That was back in 2008. And it all happened because I went to do the garden for a physiotherapist and she happened to coach the Olympic rowing team, you know, uh, Matt Pinson, and the ones that won the gold. And she did physio for them and Pilates. And she said, as we were doing her garden, every spring her studio fills up with gardeners that come in sort of one-sided, limping, crunched over because... They spend all winter on their sofas and then they whiz out in spring, spend the day in the garden and come back completely crippled because they don't realise if you garden for three hours, even if it's sort of a bit of hoeing, a bit of weeding, a bit of cutting the grass, you are expanding the same amount of calories as if you do an hour full on in the gym on, you know, using those machines to the full. Because you're engaged in it, you forget that you're actually doing a lot more than your body is probably used to for a bit. And so we, I developed with her really a system to, to, to garden, to, to guard your back and your neck and to actually use your body correctly. And if you, if you look at people gardening, very few people do it correctly. They're not really engaging their core muscles. Um, they never use both sides of their body when they're, you know, raking or hoeing. They never swap over sides because they're always right-handed or left-handed. But it's actually quite easy to change over if you get used to it. And as a young man, we used to dig in the winter from half past seven in the morning till five at night, five and a half days. Yes. Um, and, and in practice, I don't find it hard work. And it doesn't hit the back because you're using... Uh, your leg muscles particularly and your arms. And you're using um, probably a, the correct length spade handle. Oh, without question, I've got a very long spade handle because I'm quite tall. Yeah, whereas a lot of people will have something quite small and sort of hunch over it, won't they? But you, because you've been doing it for many years, you've probably got pretty good core muscles, have you? And your leg muscles and things. Very much so, yes. <laughs> we'll take your word for that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, if we continue on the health theme, Bunny, you've suffered in the past with Lyme's disease. Yeah, no, that's right. I um, I work a lot in Hampshire, or have done, and I notice a red circle, a bullseye on my leg. So I went down to my GP, and what I didn't realise is he had never seen this symptom before, a Lyme symptom. And so he looked at the internet and he said, oh, no, no, it's not. And then about three months later, I started getting all this, the stiffness, the um, inflammatory indicators in my blood shot up, had no energy. And eventually I got tested positive. But even that is difficult. It's not 100% sure. So I still don't know 100% I had it. But they administered heavy duty antibiotics for about three months. And... Um, I am a lot better now, but it, it, is a, it is something I think gardeners should really be aware of. I mean, I was working with some Americans in the summer and one of them had had it three times and the other had had it twice. And over there, it's 
very much more normal. And as soon as they get bitten, they, they go and have a short course of antibiotics, which if you get it quickly, it's effective. But they wouldn't sit on long grass or wouldn't sit on a lawn without a, a big rug. They wouldn't go walking, you know, through parks and things like Richmond Park and a lot of the parks here because there's lots of deer, the lime tick there, uh, without, you know, wearing long trousers and boots and everything tucked in. They are far more aware of it than we are over here. It is very difficult to cure if you have it for any length of time. So I think gardeners, um, they needn't panic, but they just need to be cautious, I think. And the first signs are a bullseye. It's a bullseye. But the thing is, you don't always get the bullseye. So some people can be bitten by a tick that's infected with Lyme and and you, they won't have the bullseye. I had the ring without the centre. I think I definitely did have it. Well, certainly I would always have shoes and socks on walking in uh, long grass and, of course, trousers. I'm not very keen on shorts anyhow. Oh, no. I mean, I used to love shorts and bare legs, but no, that I've, I've, it's all gone by the board, sadly. Bunny, it's been great talking to you. Look forward to meeting up soon and wish you every success. Well, thank you very much. And to you. At the end of the programme, we often uh, tell you what's on. (laughs) Needs to be what's not on. Pretty well everything seems to be cancelled. And my thought for the day, sow a seed, plant a dream. Although it needn't be a dream, sow some sweet peas now and you'll have lovely fragrant flowers ready to cut in the summer. My thanks to our sponsor, Sutton Seeds of Torquay, and of course to my producer, Rich Jarman, and you for listening. Look forward to joining you again next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.